What if I told you that there's a cure for chronic pain? Yes, for that pain you were told you would just have to manage. And what if I told you that that cure is already inside of you? Would you believe me? Welcome to the Let's Talk Mind Body Healing podcast, where we talk about how to truly alleviate chronic suffering. I'm your host, Felicia Jaramus, and I am really excited to be here with you for episode number 13. And on this episode, I have a very, very, very special guest who is extraordinarily dear to my heart, and it has taken me many, many, many attempts to try and drag him onto the show, but I will be speaking to my husband, Yuri. And we have a very special announcement to make. So in January, the January episode, I said we had an announcement. I had a big life change coming up. And so you'll find out a little bit about that as we get into this episode. And really, um, I kind of explain it as we go. But the episode, it was meant to focus on the partner's perspective so what it's like as a partner to be with somebody who is experiencing chronic pain and what it's like as a partner to be with someone who's going through the mind-body TMS healing and I guess you know the mind-body TMS healing journey really does change you a lot as a person so what it's like to be a partner through all of that and we do touch on those issues but um, Yuri as a paramedic having been through all of this having really shifted his perspective on TMA on pain and things like that uh, now has you know he had a lot of things he was very passionate about getting out because I think it's something he really struggles with now he sees a lot of patients at work who he you know, he's, he knows what's wrong with them. He can see 100% it's TMS, but he doesn't know how to help them get the help they need. And that's something he comes home a lot of the time with and really struggles with. Because as a paramedic, you're not seeing patients regularly. You know, his job is to see them and give them the emergency care they need and then he leaves. So it's not like he can build up a relationship or anything like that. So... Yeah, he touches on this and we touch on our news and anyway, this is another two-part episode like last month because um, like Rita, where we got on so well and talked about this for hours, Yuri and I literally do talk about all of this stuff for hours on end. Um, I guess I'm lucky that he's in the healthcare field, so he has the interest in it as much as I do and I think watching me go through it really has has really deeply shifted his worldview. But I'm anyway, I'm really excited for you all to finally meet him. I know I talk about him a lot because he's so important to me. He's been by my side throughout this whole thing, been together over a decade now. Very, very lucky to have each other. Um, you know, we really do support each other in, in our different ways, in our different endeavors and pursuits and anyway um we get into that in the episode um but this is a topic that is of great interest to me the partner's perspective because I know that 
pain and all those sorts of things can have a great impact on the relationship. And I do say it in the episode, but I'll say it here again. If there is anyone who has a partner that would like to come onto the podcast, please, please let me know. I wouldn't mind doing another episode like this because as I said, we do touch on it, but Yuri got a little bit, you know, there were other things he really wanted to talk about, which were more important to him, which is fine. Um, I, you know, my guests, if they have something passionate, that's often where the little gems are anyway. But yeah, anyway, I won't drag it on. I won't keep talking. We'll just let the episode go and uh, play my disclaimer first and enjoy. Oh wait, hang on, there is one more thing I do need to say. I have to apologize. There is a fair bit of mumbling from me in these this episode and in the the one in a fortnight's time, these two episodes. Quite bad, the mumbling. I'm really sorry about that. We did record it quite late and we were quite tired. But Yuri is very clear. I'm mostly clear, but there is mumbling here and there. But anyway, um, Letting go of my perfectionist TMS personality and I'm going to put the episode out anyway. And as I said, there are some great gems in there nonetheless. So, yep, off we go. I am a provisional psychologist with my PhD or my doctorate in education, but I'm not a medical doctor. So all of the content that I provide about mind-body healing in any medium, including but not limited to this podcast and my social media channels, is for informational purposes only. No content provided by me is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. The purpose is to promote broad understanding and knowledge of various health topics. If you choose to use any information provided by me, you do so solely at your own risk. Always seek the guidance of your doctor or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding your health or medical condition. Do not embark on a mind-body healing journey until you have the clearance from your healthcare practitioner to do so, until you have discussed how to apply mind-body healing to your own individual case. The methods discussed by guests on the show are not necessarily endorsed by me. Welcome to the Let's Talk Mind Body Healing podcast. I'm your host, Felicia Jaramus, and today I'm here with a very special guest who I have reluctantly dragged onto the show. He's been kind enough to accept my repeated invitations. I think he's maybe feeling a little bit nervous. Um, but anyway, I'd like to introduce you to my husband, Yuri Jaramus. Uh, so maybe just introduce yourself to the listeners. Tell them a little bit about who you are. Uh, g'day, everyone. Uh, my name is Yuri. Um, husband of Felicia. We've known each other since probably uh, very early 2012, and we've grown a lot since then. Um, I'm a paramedic in the local area, and have been for about seven years. Before that, I was just at uni and working in fast food. That's me. Yeah, 10 years. Pretty good. So why do you think I brought you onto the show today? Um, perhaps I've got some insight, I guess, like 
I've known you for a long time. Um, and I've seen you change a lot in that time. So it's probably just maybe my insights and like your journey with mm. all of all of this, the mind body work. Yeah. So. Yeah. For ages, I've really wanted to get a partner's perspective on the show, partner's perspective on what it was like supporting someone who was in so much pain and then supporting someone through the mind body journey. So I don't think um I've come across any podcast episodes that have sort of the partner's perspective on it. And I know that pain and illness and all those sorts of things can really take their toll on relationships and on the person in that supporting role. So I think it's probably pretty valuable to have your perspective as the partner and what what goes through the partner's mind, I guess, or how the partner experiences it. Oh, yeah, and if anybody else has any partners out there that might want to come on and talk about their experience, get in contact with me because I'd really love to get another couple on, kind of no matter what stage of your healing journey you're at and sort of, yeah, that kind of perspective. I think it's a little different. (laughs) Um, But before we get into that, we do have some really exciting news. Do you want to break the news, Yuri? Sure. Um, <laughs> Alicia's pregnant and we do early 2023, uh, our first one, which we've actually tried for a while and it's finally happened. So, yeah. Yeah. So we're going to have a baby, which is very exciting. I plan on releasing this. It's December now that we're recording this, but I plan on releasing this about March. So Bob should be about two months old when you hear this, which is very exciting, as Yuri said. We tried for a long time and there's probably a whole nother episode to come out at some point on TMS and infertility because I certainly believe my TMS moved into infertility and I can explain that, I guess, at some point later. There's also some observations about pregnancy, birth, breastfeeding in the medical system and how some really similar factors like over-medicalization, fear, and a real lack of faith in bodies have created a dumpster fire for pregnant women that's, you know, kind of as bad as it is for chronic pain patients. So there was a lot of challenges and things that I've navigated through my pregnancy, just, and I guess I think it stems from similar things, and it's similar things that people navigate when they're in pain. But I'll wait until after the birth itself to record that one um so cool. we'll see what i'm feeling after recording that one yeah there's definitely heaps of similarities like going through this journey of uh pregnancy and seeing it like i guess over medicalizing something that's actually quite normal and you can just see the parallels with that and like chronic pain and like how we always look for an answer probably the wrong spots but like i guess we're not really we're not really um guided or helped very much in a lot of ways to actually find the actual answer. And yeah, it just parallels a lot with like how medicalized pregnancy has become, especially in Australia, um, similar to like chronic pain and how like we kind of probably seem to have gone the wrong way with that. Um, it's just the fear, I think, and the lack of faith in bodies and the lack of faith in, it's a, yeah, as you're right, a lot of parallels. But we'll come back to that at some point, as I said earlier. I'm going to talk about the partner's perspective on TMS and the whole journey we've been through. 
kind of together. Right at the end, we might jump back a little bit and talk about pregnancy itself and how it's been. Because I would say we've had a really positive experience, um, which has surprised us both. And I really do owe it all to the TMS work that I've done, all that work kind of connecting to my body and my emotions and getting out of fight and flight and healing those inner wounds, et cetera. You know, all of those things that's involved really in doing healing work. It's it's pretty, you know, I've been able to move from someone who thought she may never have children because of all the pain I was in and all the medications I was on and just, you know, there was that one neurologist that I went and saw and he said to me, we were thinking about trying for children at the time, so we said, I don't want to go on any medications. And he said to me that I needed to sort myself out before I thought about having children. And at that point, I'd been trying to sort myself out for like 14 years. So it was one of the most distressing things I'd heard. Yeah, we we got there. Um, and the experience has been one of love rather than fear and anxiety and of trusting my body. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot that I haven't enjoyed. <laughs> and there's a part of me that wants the baby out, but it's yeah better than I thought it could have been. You build a solid foundation and like I guess most things will just fall into place pretty well. Like the the down moments won't really be that bad when like the foundation's solid and that's like a credit to all the work Felicia's done, I guess, to get to where she is today. And your support. So let's get on to that, hey? Let's talk about their partner's perspective. So Yuri, no right or wrong answers here. Be as brutal as you want <laughs> because I know things have been really hard at times and I really haven't always been easy to deal with, um, with everything. So just a quick reminder, if you want to listen to uh, my pain story, if you haven't done that before, episode one, I think it's episode three, we'll sort of get you into the like everything that I went through and we went through and all the neurologists and the doctors and the visits and then the healing um and then yeah so this is Yuri's perspective on that so let's start from the start and go all the way back over a decade now this will test your memory what was it like dating someone with chronic pain um I don't know really to be honest like I guess I'm pretty ignorant to that whole fact and you were pretty um I guess, closed off on that aspect of you. I don't, I guess it took a while before I actually knew you had all of this chronic pain. Like, I guess you hid it a lot. Um, I don't think it was ever something that you were, I guess, maybe okay with so that it was never really shared. Um, and then just my ignorance of that, I just thought it was kind of, like the way you acted and the things you did was just because that's the way you are. Um, where sometimes, like, I guess you could be quite maybe cold or uh, withdrawn or unhappy or, or, you know, whatever, like, negative thing you can kind of think of. Just, and I was like, maybe that's just you, but I guess, like, in, in retrospect, looking back, it was because you were probably very uncomfortable in your own skin, whether it was because of a really bad headache or facial pain or whatever, whatever else was going on in your body at the time. Um, but that wasn't made obvious to me. So I was kind of like I just accepted 
that that was just who you were and everything with that. So um, I guess I didn't really take much notice of it because I didn't really know it existed. Mm. You're right, I did hide it because it's one of those things, it's like at what point in the relationship do you say, by the way, I live with constant pain in my face, (laughs) you know? Yeah, and then what am I going to do with that? I don't know. I was young. I don't have any idea what to do with it. I'll take some Panadol or do this or go see a doctor or whatever. But, like, I don't know. Like, I was, I didn't have any tools to help you anyway. So, like, at that point. So, Mm. and, yeah, I guess in saying that, like, all the changes that have occurred, like, now, I could easily, if I started again back then with the same knowledge, I'm like, oh, yeah, let's do this. And I guess in a way we were both studying psychology and I was like, at times I was like, like you should really see a psychologist <laughs> for whatever reason it was. I can't even remember now. And I was just like, I don't know why, but I just feel like you, you need to see a psychologist or someone for like, like mental health care just like to help you out. And looking back on it, it was kind of like, it was almost like instinctual that like, you know, there's something wrong here and you need some extra help to deal with it. But that was like separate from just the chronic pain itself. It was just kind of like the way you carried yourself perhaps um, with having chronic pain. I'm not saying that you were like a bad person or um, nasty or anything like that. It was just like, you looked like someone that probably just needed some psychological help. And it sounds really bad in saying that and like, like you're crazy or something like that, but it wasn't like that at all. Um, and I guess even nowadays, like with my role as paramedicine, it's just like, I see so many people with so many problems. And then I'm like, if only there was an easy way for me to tell you that, like you could probably nip almost all of your problems that you're complaining about right now or things that you're dealing with if you just looked after yourself in the way you need to be looked after. Um, and, again, saying something instinctual about that as well. Like I remember watching a TV show, like with you, Felicia, and um, someone was getting really stressed out in this show and, like, they had to manage all these people at this store and then halfway through, they're complaining of really bad lower back pain. And I'm just like, it's written into like pop culture. You see it all the time or or there'll be, you know, someone complaining of a migraine and you just ask them, well, what's happening in your life? Like just separately to like the migraine, just, just you know, curious. And then they'll tell you that they're stressing because they've got to look after person X and do this and they've got all these appointments to do and stuff. And they've really just got a lot on their plate. So like... They're really like, I guess, peaking at their ability to like function as a human being, like having all of their needs met, like because at the moment they're like worried about all these other things at the same time. Yeah, I think anecdotally most people, any like kind of on some level, we we all know that our emotions cause symptoms in our body. We all know that when we're anxious, we get butterflies in our tummy. Or, you know, people talk about vomiting when they're anxious or people get a headache when they're stressed. Like we, on some level, we recognise it, but just not to the full extent that it really is. Yeah. I remember studying psychology in the same aspect. I was 
like all these like things I look at wow like that's a that's a like that's an interesting like topic but when you break it down it's common sense and something we all already know but it's just putting definitions to these phenomenon of like human psyche and then like that makes it easier to talk about and I guess in a way by like talking about mind body work and how everything's kind of a lot more connected than we give credit to these days it's kind of like putting the definitions and the words to something that we kind of know but not enough about to communicate it with with others so I kind of think about it as well like it's like when you're like how would you think if you didn't have words sort of thing? It's, it'd be a lot harder, wouldn't it? Like, but like putting words to these things just kind of gives you the power to then be able to do something about it. And I guess we know it, but then it's just like, we really need to know it to then actually like in a way that we can like kind of hold it almost can't be like, it can't be deep, like instinctual type stuff. We need to like bring it out a little bit. It can still be abstract, but like. It's, um, it's the challenges, I think, because we have so many misnomers around it and this idea that, you know, people who are in chronic pain particularly, it's often really difficult to get people to believe them about just how much pain they're in or they're dismissed or they're just kind of, you get really defensive if someone brings up that it could be, you know, your mind-body connection. Are you telling me it's all in my head? Because most people with chronic pain have been told that at one point or another. And that's the first thing I think everyone hears when you're like, oh, you've only got this because you haven't dealt with, like, something that's traumatised you in the past. And then, like, well, you're just telling me it's in my head. Well, I'm like, well, no, but also yes, because all pain originates from the mind like in one way or another I know we kind of just going like a bit away from your question earlier about what it was like to be with you um early on uh with chronic pain like 10 years ago and not knowing but um for as an example there was like from my work and pain and how it's all constructed in the brain the easiest example is when a kid grazes their knee but doesn't realise and then you tell them to look at their knee and then they scream because they've associated a grazed knee with pain, but they had no pain up until they looked at it. And now for an adult, let's there's a farmer, he puts a pitchfork through his foot and he's screaming in pain, screaming in pain. You give him all this pain relief, still screaming in pain, and then halfway through the transport to hospital, the pitchfork falls out of his boot and everyone's looking, oh, where's all the blood? There's no blood. Take the boot off. Turns out the pitchfork went straight through between his toes, didn't even touch his foot. So this guy, his pain was real and his brain made it real, but, like, there was no physiological basis to it at that time. It wasn't because he actually experienced trauma. He perceived that he experienced physical trauma. But like experiencing emotional trauma, that is real. And that's something that you need help to, I guess, work through to move through it so that that real trauma doesn't then continue to affect you in ways that, I guess, can really undermine the way you live and like the way you want to live and the, the things that you want to do. Um, so 
yeah, it sucks when you talk to someone and they're like, you're just telling me it's all in my head? Well, no, it's not just all in your head. It's so many things. But in a way, yes, like your brain creates your perception of reality for all of these things as well and your mind. So it's it's like, yeah, people so- are defensive about it and I don't I don't you've got to be really gentle and they've got to really just see it for themselves that and and the evidence and go through it and for me like I was just like there's some things that are so hard for me to believe still yet I've kind of been with you on this journey for so long and mm-hmm. seen all these changes and like real changes like unbelievable changes things that like you'd be like you can't tell me it's like all in my head that makes no sense it has to be something else and like well it's it makes sense because it exists and it works and it gets better. It's just, you have to put the effort in and have that faith and just kind of go for it to try and work on it and you'll be better off for it, I guess. Yeah. I think that's the key point you've put there. It works. You've seen it, you know, and you've heard stories, story after story after story of it working. So you can't not believe it. Yeah. yeah but it's hard to get to that point and we're not kind of like supported in getting to that point very easily in a lot of ways um just because it's just like you know go to the doctor doctor will fix you doctor sees you for five minutes what the, what is the doctor going to do give you a pill or something like that like oh you have symptom x take this mm-hmm. come back and see me if it's not any better and I'm like, and never fix anything. I was going to say, never once, never once, all those specialists and things I went to, did they ever say what's happening in your life? You know, never once. Yeah. <laughs> never but then, once. But it's all separated as well, yeah. like the neurologist or the osteopath or like, you know, whoever looking at you and all these different aspects of your body, not like you as a whole. In fact, I think there was one person that was really good and there was the maxofacial guy he uh when you had the tmj issues so like the mm. locked locked up jaw and he was the first person to look at many aspects of your life because he's like you know like this symptom he could see that it wasn't just because of this like it wasn't just your joint problem but it was like it was a, a collection of things that contribute to making this problem and i think he was like also probably one of the first to like set you on the right path of getting better rather than being like right let's do surgery or let let's inject you with cortisone or whatever botox that's what everyone else everyone was, yeah, yeah let's put your body under more stress to see if that can fix it mm-hmm. rather than being like let's deal with the stress that already exists that's accumulated into these symptoms i guess I don't know. The mm, TMJ was interesting because I was literally like, I just woke up one morning and I couldn't open my mouth. It came out of nowhere. But And it was hanging around for so long. And then once you started to deal with, like, the things that you needed to deal with from your past, like, then you've gotten to a point where, like, you, it's almost like it never happened. <laughs> it happened. <laughs> I'll never forget what it felt like. I'll never. But it hasn't come know. back again. I guess is the point I'm trying to make. Like it's, it was a problem and it's, but it's gone now. And it's like, where's the evidence of it being a problem? Yeah. It's, I guess it's like 
it's not to say I don't have kind of moments like those everyone has little aches and niggles in their bodies and you know those neural pathways are always going to be there for me but it dissipates pretty quickly when I can just sit with it acknowledge it not be bothered by it like it's not chronic in any sense of the word it's just being human now that's all I have left I guess well it can't hurt you no because you know it doesn't have the power over you that it would have had if you don't know what you know today yeah that's right it doesn't have that power anymore there's no fear there anymore and I go okay what am I stressed about what am I angry about what am I what's actually under this and then you know goes away (laughs) usually yeah um, all right, so you said ages and ages ago, we'll get back on track, um, that you remember sort of thinking I should go to a psychologist and I actually remember the point where you started saying that to me and the point where you did start saying that to me was when I was at my worst and that was in the middle of completing my PhD and that was when I was pretty suicidal and you would hold me at night while I would cry and I would say they put dogs down when dogs are this miserable, like, put me down you know I would that's the sort of stuff I would say like that's how much pain I was in and misery and like and that's when you were like you really need to get help you said that to me quite a few times and that was why I did go see a psychologist but um what was that like for you that kind of do you remember that point I guess I break it all down. You're really good at remembering all of these details of things in the past. Whereas for me, I guess I can remember the aspects of it, but I don't put it like in a line like dominoes. They're just kind of like scattered around the room. So mm-hmm. these, so I guess that is almost protective for me. And I guess in my role and trauma and stuff, and like the details of this are all there, but they're not kind of like in a way where the paths are easy to like connect. So I do remember you being in that kind of state and things not being good but I can't remember the pathway of all of those things together and what was it like it was hard and it was scary I guess but I almost don't remember where it where it's like the start of that period and in the end it kind of was just like it was like um phase is a wrong word but like it was like a chapter I remember it more like a chapter in a book. It was just kind of like, it's not something I can really easily talk about, I guess, not because it's hard to talk about. It's just because I don't remember the details enough about it all other than it existed. My problem has always been my memory. I often get used to get really mad at people because you didn't remember the things I remembered. (laughs) So I've learned to to let go of that. Yeah, I I do remember uh, like that you were very resistive to it, and then like at times you'd flip it back on me and be like, "No, you need to see a psychologist. <laughs> Don't tell me to see a psychologist." Yeah, you need to see a psychologist. So I'm like, "Well, like I don't think so, but you know, I don't understand why." But uh, it's funny because you probably have one of the like healthiest like. I don't think you're like one of the healthiest people I've ever met kind of like psychologically in terms of your nervous system because of all that kind of stuff so it's like (laughs) it's funny that I would have said that to you (laughs) Uh. 
more yeah, I still get pain and stuff like that that comes and goes now, but I'm more okay with it now, just like seeing the things that you've done, being like, oh no, it's like there's no clear cause for it. Like I haven't actually fallen and it hurts straight away. It's probably because I'm stressing about something. And yes, it has been. Like when we've moved house, I had a sore knee. Like uh, a lot, like a lot going on at work, my lower back started hurting a little bit. Not so much that it debilitates me, but enough to notice it. And if I let it really took a, take a grip of me, it could end up debilitating me. But then I just kind of like, no, I'm safe because I didn't fall down and hurt myself. I didn't get hit in the back. I didn't um, twist my knee or whatever. So, yeah, yeah. you're illustrating there that I think this is just a human condition, you know. There's aches and pains in our emotions showing up in our bodies and our bodies communicating with us when things are a lot for us and we're under a lot of stress. Yeah. It's trying to keep us safe, trying to say, like, take some time, get out of there. But we live in a world which doesn't make that easy. Yeah. I, I About that period where you were, like, really depressed and, mm. and, like, really low, it's like I've almost forgotten about that because of where you are now. And where you have been, I guess it was actually a long time because I've just started to reflect on it a bit more. It was a long period of time. It wasn't like it was just a, like a, like when I said a chapter earlier, that was actually wrong. It was like it was like for the ten years I've known you or more, like it was it was a solid chunk of that book and it and it did get worse over time the like the more specialists we saw and stuff like that it was just hitting brick walls it's like something has to work and getting to the point where you're desperate enough to be like well maybe they should just do surgery or maybe they burn the nerves off and I even remember like you know like I was thinking of trying to think of these things like what actual physical intervention can they do for you as well despite also thinking the psychology part but I didn't connect the two together at the time and it's just like maybe they should do burn the nerves, but no, but then the nerves will grow back worse and like you probably just end up with more pain. And it's like none of these like things actually have any evidence behind them like for all. Like you ended up getting nerve blocks and that was nervous for you because like you were getting injections like into your spine and like did they work? No, they didn't. Like and. Yeah, and the ones I put in the back of my head made everything worse. Yeah. And that was all that fear I had associated with. And then I started getting, what is it? Oh, occipital nerve pain the back of my head from that so that was fun so that yeah like there's there was a long period of time and it was a decline and it was continued to be a decline and I I, I think where well, like when you really started to get out of it is when you started to look into this mind body stuff but like also there was a particular counselor you saw which helped you actually work through so much stuff that you you know you'd come home and you'd be upset and sad but like that's something I've now taken and I say to so many people that I see in my work that like if you see as someone for your mental health and they're meant to help you and you walk out feeling cheery and great then they haven't done their job but if you walk out a complete and utter mess then they've actually probably started to help you. And um, I say that to so many people and the amount of people that turn around and go like, wow, I've never thought about it like that. And I'm like, but it makes so much sense once you, once you say it to someone and, and they, it makes a lot of sense to them. And then they go, oh, wow. Like 
that makes sense. Like it's, so I get all the stuff out and I, and it's just like, yeah, you get all the stuff out and like, you don't do it all in one go, but you work through it. And it's just like, the point is the, the, the counseling or the psychologist or whoever, like it's about making you feel what you should have felt and you're going to feel worse for it rather than trying to put band-aids on top of band-aids and trying to force you to be happy or seeing a psychiatrist to give you a certain medication to numb it so that you don't cry or or x y and z doesn't happen emotionally so that you can just kind of plateau and just like float through and just exist for the sake of existing and like limit your emotional range like we're all allowed to be angry and sad and happy and like all of these words, like I don't even know all of them. I'm not very good with um, synonyms in English, but um, it's yeah, you're gonna feel worse before you feel better. And a good like mental health therapist is gonna make you you're gonna walk out feeling like garbage until eventually that you don't need to feel like garbage anymore when you walk out. But if you work walk out feeling good then you probably got to look for the next person. I would say it depends on the therapy and the therapist and the purpose of the therapy, but definitely what I did and the process I went through, because I went and saw the, I think you're referring to the Hakomi therapist I saw, whether he did a lot of body-based work. And as you were saying, it was a lot of like pulling out those emotions that I hadn't felt before and going back to experiences that were traumatizing to me and going back to those so then I would walk out after like an hour of like sitting in sadness and anger and going through things that I had blocked out that I hadn't felt you know before and then you know so yeah that that was the process I went through for sure but also the thing with me was I also wanted to move really fast so I know a lot of therapists would probably move slower and I know I would with a lot of my own patients And my therapist kept saying that I move really fast and that I really wanted to just like get in and I was getting into my emotions much more rapidly than his other patients. So yeah, I guess it doesn't have to be quite as extreme as what you witnessed me go through, but that's me. I never do anything (laughs) halfway. So. And um, I guess what I'm talking about, I'm not talking about someone who's just got something like like low-level anxiety like everyone's diagnosed with these days or low-level depression like everyone's diagnosed with these days. I'm talking like about people who are like suicidal and like feel like they've got nothing to live for because of the pain they're in all the time. And I'm not, does it not, it's like mental pain or physical pain, whatever it may be. Like they are at the lowest that they can be. And but if they're supported in working through all of that, they will feel better on the other end. I'm like so certain of it by everything that I've experienced, like especially on your journey, all the books I've read, all the things I've seen, and like seeing it in people, like in my, my work as well. I guess there's just a lot of paramedics say like. You can't bullshit a paramedic pain. Um, and we know if like it's if it's if someone's lying. And but the ones that aren't so obvious are the ones who 
are still in like a lot of pain, but now I see them because of what I've experienced through your journey. And I see them now and I'm like your pain and I can see where it's coming from. And it's like, you can pick them out like people who have this kind of problem with their like mind and body, like connecting and they have all these symptoms and like the way they describe them. And you're like, like it, it doesn't medically make any sense for them to have like a symptom for their heart and then a symptom for like um, lower back pain and then a symptom for like a, a dicky shoulder and all of these happening kind of all together at the same time when there's something else going on in their life. It's just like it doesn't it doesn't make sense the way they talk about it. It doesn't make sense the way they're experiencing it, the way that you can take them away from it just by being nice to them and kind to them and like working through things with them in the short time that you're with them. And like it's almost like I can just pick them out and I could be like, I wish I could just give them a card and be like, do this and like all your problems will go away. It's like it's not easy, but if you start, like you know, you're heading in the right direction. It's like the young people or old people. It's a whole variety of people. It's like, and then this is not for everyone. Like I'll see some people and I'm like, yeah, like definitely like, you know, so like physiological thing, like we can fix this. Like your kidney stones, no worries. It's very classic. You've got kidney mm-hmm. stones, but then someone else with like a mind body disorder might say, oh, I think it's kidney stones, but you're like, it's, it can't be like, cause you, you don't have the classic like kidney stone pain. You kind of got it in a similar spot and some similar things, but like the way you're going about it and the way everything's going on, it's not. And then you find out later if you like, you see them again, it's just like, no, it wasn't like kidney stones. It was like, or whatever. It's just kind of like, you can, you can kind of see it in people when their symptoms don't match up with the, like the things they've been diagnosed with by all of these different specialists. It's um, yeah, I see it now. And it that's actually hard sometimes because it's like, I kind of know what your problem is, but I don't know how to tell you or how to point you in the right direction for you to get the help you need because it's kind of like not like classic um, medicine, like where you go see a doctor, they do a scan, you have a bad spine, so let's do surgery. And the research doesn't support doing surgery anyway for the 40-odd years or so that we've been doing it, but let's do that instead of like, I don't know, deal with the problem at hand. And like the problem at hand takes a lot of work to get into and to find. And yeah, it's a lot and it's complex. And and our system and like systems, our medical system in place is complex as well. It's like, yeah, it's a lot. I'll jump off a few points you said there. Even I, I'm not seeing like sick people all the time and you would see a lot of people who have very obviously TMS um because as you've said when it's functionally inconsistent that's one of the criteria we use to rule in a TMS diagnosis so if it doesn't make sense kind of physiologically you kind of yeah that's one of the criteria yeah you gotta remember like I don't I don't do the training or the work that you do in this like because you actually wanting to help people with this like as your career like that's Mm -hmm. you're like invested in this like this is just what I've observed through you and the things I've learned from the books you've read and the things that I've experienced with you that I instinctually am now seeing this in people. Like yeah, I say you, instinctually, it's a wrong word. Once you like, see it, you can't unsee it's it. It's kind of like, it's, it's normal for me to like, I can see it now. 
Yeah, you it's, can't it's almost like now. the matrix. You take the red pill or the blue pill. I can't remember which one's which, but um, you've just your eyes are just kind of open to like this new truth. It's I don't know. It's a bit surreal. And but as you were saying before, one of the hard things is um, kind of having this awareness and kind of knowing what can help people. But also, it's like how do you broach that with people? How do you tell people that? And the even in my own life, I have like friends and family members who I still haven't really raised it with, who I know would benefit from this work, but I also know would be totally closed off to it. Um, Cause it's one of those things that it's like very counter to everything I've been told before. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, but it's really like, um, it's a really good feeling when people are open to it or like just have these moments. You say just something and it just takes them just in the right direction to be like, oh, wow. And then they do something about it and they're way better off for it. And like, that's really nice to see as well. So I guess it's like, it's not for everyone and not everyone's ready at the same times, I guess. Um, Yeah. That's right. There's a readiness. I always say that. There's a readiness and some people just aren't ready. Like you definitely wouldn't have been ready until you pretty much got to the point that you needed to get to in your life to actually do something about it in in a way that was going to be beneficial. And I didn't know what that was at the time and you didn't know, but it just took starting to read the just the right thing or just a little bit about something or maybe John Sarno type stuff or, um, you know, you know, just getting the right book at the right time or the right resource or just like, you know, listening to a podcast on mind, body stuff, chronic pain. I had to like one million podcast episodes and I had to read like 30 books and like all that kind of stuff before I was like actually, you know. But it's just getting exposed to it just like by a little bit and be like, you know, it piques your fancy and like it makes you curious and then you start to, go a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper and it's like you know no one's telling you what to do because someone did tell you what to do like like you'd probably be resistant to it that's normal you know like um like you can't tell me what to do like I know better than you but like sometimes I guess having an open mind is like just really important because it's just like what's the worst that can happen when you try something different for a certain benefit that doesn't really even have any risks to it other than benefit at the other end. Like what is so important about hanging on to the fact that the problem that you have is 100% not a mind-body thing? Like where does that leave you? That leaves you in pain and discomfort and sad and like I guess it's a challenge for your identity if your identity is is part of a particular illness then like as much as you want to get better there's a part of you that probably doesn't I guess like people like no it's definitely this this is who I am this is what I am and I'm like it's 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 a symptom of of something it doesn't have to be who you are I guess yeah it is um you don't realize it at the time but it does sort of become a part of who you are everyone is always asking you how's the pain will you join those you know Facebook groups and you know I was part of the Migraine Australia group for a while there and that was just like 
all these people who are like so stuck on this identity of having a permanently incurable disease and how strong they were for being able to manage it and so and there is like a little part of you that does struggle to let go of it and that is like you know and then there was the other thing something else you said there that I was going to got Sean no it's, it's gone from me now We'll go back to my questions list. We're not getting very far through the list because we... we um, going sideways, yeah. Yeah, going sideways. Um, but you've made comments. You made a comment before about the medical system and how it's complicated and, um, you know, but from a support person's perspective, I guess, what was it like navigating the medical system? How did you experience the doctors and the walls and the visits? What did that feel like for you? Do you remember that feeling? um I was always hopeful like they'd say oh let's try this and I'm like yeah like why not and like but you know it won't work because you've tried it or whatever and I'm like let's have, let's give it a go like what's this and like you know don't take paracetamol for your headaches because you'll get headache overuse like drug overuse um headaches or something yeah medicine overuse like headache that, is what that was told. which is just like okay um so just be even more pain but with no solution like that's cool um not really and um, that's sarcasm if it doesn't come across um but like like that wasn't a solution for you like and it actually left you so distressed and all like a, like hard like to sit in in the pain because I guess you couldn't navigate that pain you didn't have the support to navigate that pain at that time so it's just like take away the pain relief even though it wasn't working anyway but like let's take away the pain relief so put even more stress on you to say like i'm going to be in a lot of pain expecting that and then sitting in a lot of pain and not getting any better from it anyway without taking the pain relief to hopefully that that was the problem that you were taking too much pain relief which you weren't <laughs> like doctors, doctors prescribe like people to take paracetamol like four times a day and that's considered normal but then like you you take it like you know once or a couple of times a week at, at most not even four times a day and and that's considered too much like it wasn't as i said but it wasn't just the paracetamols and the paracetamol and the codeine and the the neurofen and then the you know all those things had layered on top of each other and then they just like wanted to, me to cut them all off without giving me anything that was like one of the things that i went through yes yeah, yeah and but like i guess but i remember i was going to say the how angry and frustrated I used to get at you because I had that because I had been in pain since I was 12 years old I went through multiple neurologists multiple different medications multiple different all those sorts of things before I had met you so then when I was going back through all of those same things and I used to get so angry that they were offering the same treatments I'd already tried but you were so hopeful for me and like yeah just try it just try it and I was like "Ah." well I guess I was like that because of like you hadn't tried those things again for like what you were young you tried them all and then you went through just accepting that you're going to have pain and then we got to a point where it's too much again and it was just kind of like well let's try it again you're an adult now you're not a teenager let's just go through the process like what's like we might find something and there was always that hope is like we might find something and it's like it, it like sometimes if it's so hard to find that something then then maybe it was like 
we like kind of going the wrong direction about it. You know, you said it bothered me though. They were like so adamant that I shouldn't be taking Nurofen or Panadol or Codeine or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, at the same time, they were trying to get me on amitriptyline or NDEP or um, Cymbalta and then they were doing the Botox yeah, and then they were like doing the nerve blocks and that, which were just like, like yeah, atrophizing <laughs> your muscles with the Botox and then like these like antipsychotic type medications or antidepressants like they're really affecting your brain chemistry in like in a normal way no not really what's the i don't know like look i don't remember there being much evidence to support for many um psychoactive drugs um except for like maybe one or two which there actually was evidence behind for them actually working but um we prescribe that to a lot of people for a lot of different conditions and it works for some and not for others but is that the belief in it, the placebo of it or, or not. I don't know. Look, I don't know enough about that, so I can't really comment. But, yes, you had to go on these, like, hardcore drugs and the simple paracetamol was a no-no at the time, so that was hard. The panel never used to do anything anyway. I used to have to take, like, eight of them. <laughs> you used to get so mad at me. Yeah, it was too much. Silly. Like, what are you doing? Like, you're, like you're making yourself worse physically by trying to, like fix a problem that wasn't like based physiologically that had like a, a root in like mind in, in your mind um that was just hanging on and causing these like physical problems um i guess the other part of like seeing all these specialists and stuff it's just like you know you go there all right come back in three months six months whatever it was pay $200, whatever it was to see the appointment. And it's just like, you know, and you go to the appointment, nothing happens. You go away with a script, buy these medications, so more money there. And it's like, I'm not saying money's the problem here, like, like for us at the time, but it's just like, you know, you're spending all this money, but it was just a pit. It wasn't doing anything. And then, you know, you come back three months later after trying this one thing and then, it's like not good enough. All right, go away, come back three months later, and like let's try this thing. And like every step was just like, oh, we're getting closer, we're getting closer. But it's just like, if that's the case, why wouldn't you just go right to the peak of like what the treatment was? And it's like, and no, because the peak wouldn't fix it anyway. I think, yeah. Um, like you ended up buying that hat that like stimulates your nerves. Oh, that's definitely migraine device. Yeah. yeah you, the nerve endings in your head. And like, and it feels pretty cool when you put it on your head. Like it's quite an experience to feel like these little zaps, like trying like, like at uh, random times going off to like trick your it's nerves. It's like a, what are those things called that the physios use just for the listeners? Um, TENS device. It's like a TENS device, but it's for like designed for like the trigeminal nerve in your face. Yeah, and I'm like that was a cool machine and it was expensive, but it didn't do anything. <laughs> it didn't solve the problem. So you're essentially sitting there for what an hour or so with this running, like causing yourself a fair bit of discomfort until you get used to it, to then not have a solution with it anyway. Yeah. So it was kind of like, you know, you go away, you come back, and like, you know, lots of time passes and nothing gets fixed. And you just get to feel worse. So it was all the waiting that was the worst. It was really hard for me, I think, because it was like you get referred to a specialist and you wait six months to get in to see them or three months or whatever. 
you, as you said, you see them and you walk out with the script and they say, don't come back for three months. And it's like, well, what if that script doesn't work? And I know it's not working in, you know, a month. Yeah. I still got to wait two more months. And it was like, yeah. Yeah. And you can kind of see it in some specialist eyes. Like, I guess in probably the same way I'd see it in some people, it's just kind of like when I like think in retrospect, like you saw an endocrinologist at one point, it's like, is it just, is it the hormones like levels like or taking the pill or something like that, which like, I don't agree with taking the pill. I think it's just like messing with the birth, birth control. About yeah. Yeah. Birth pill. control. Sorry. Um, but anyway, like, and you can see like the endocrinologist like, no, nah, this isn't, this isn't it. This isn't the problem. But like, you know, still tried to change like the hormone levels, like, like a high dose or something like that. Um, anyway, but it's in the same way that I'd see it in some people as well. It's like you you can see that this isn't the solution to their problem, but at that time we were con- else convinced that we've got to try this um, because, like you know, it's something different. It might be the might be the answer, like this small little thing. Um, and I guess, like, I feel like this, you know, the endocrinologist could see, like, you know, this isn't the problem, but like I'll try just to. You know, like, but I don't think this is a solution. It's like, yeah. Alrighty, so I've just paused the episode there. Just like last month, I've broken this episode up into two. So you'll get the rest of this episode next fortnight and I'll be able to update you on how the baby's going. So you'll get an update at the start at the front, in the front end. Um... Yeah, so looking forward to it. I hope you enjoyed that one. It was a bit different having someone a bit tangential to the TMS space on there, but also my favourite person in the whole entire world. Um, Yeah, anyway, I will see you next fortnight.